seeing how firm a foundation. I was going to pull the lyrics up. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said to The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell shall never to shame. Desert to his foes. 
inside of us it makes us the blood because you know what people are going to get saved because of you the bible says whatever you say if you've done it to the least of my little ones you've done it unto me so salvation comes through the bride amen 
that's why that we that's why that we come to church and we we try to get rid of all the junk that we've got out in the world and we try to uh try i say we all try to be godly as much as we can but you got to remember like i've been trying to tell you you're trying to put something so high that you can't attain to it and you can't like the song says this is all my righteousness it just goes so far yeah. all right but the blood of jesus christ if we'll give it to him Amen. let him cover you eradicate it take it away and let the father do it let the daddy clean you up by the baptism of the holy ghost that's the whole thing as we're saying today we just got to realize we either we got it or we don't you just got you got to come to that in the quietness of your home or in church or somewhere you got to know that you know that you know that you're born again because if you're not born again you just you're not gonna be there i'm just sorry you're just not just you're gonna fall off somewhere okay the bible tells us is what you know what in other words what are we doing we can't even keep up with the foot soldiers when the when the horses are coming so we got to get ready to where we can fly with the infantry we can go with the we can go with the cavalry amen so that's the same with us uh the acceleration of the word ought to be to where that we're like man we're on the edge we're just on the verge of something we're on the verge of breaking through something somewhere because you know what it's got to happen it's got to happen and it's going to happen to a group of people we might as well just say it's us amen like i said this morning we got to have a doctrine every church has got a doctrine all right our doctrine is that you got to come to the statue of perfect man to be a walking walking breathing instrumentality of god to be what god wants you to be you got to go up that statue of perfect man you got to fight for for virtue knowledge temperance patience godliness brotherly kindness and you know what god's then pleased to adopt you um I was listening to a minister not too long ago. And and it's okay to roll the new birth in with adoption, but remember, Brother Brown said it's two different things. Your birth and your adoption is two different things. Amen? It's just like the saved and and and, and uh, born again. You can be saved and not be born again, but you can't be born again and not be saved. Well, same way with, the, um, with what we just said. You, there's just... You can't be adopted without being born again, but you can be born again without being adopted. Yeah. All right? But that's going to put you in a place to where you're not going, you're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to have an unfulfilled Christian life, and you're not going to take the body change. You're going to have to go by the grave. So uh, Brother Dale's taught us that for years and years and years. All right? So it's nothing new. So happy Father's Day again. Brother Luis will be speaking Wednesday night. Remember Bob and Luis coming back from speaking and all the ones on vacation, uh, Anna and Richard and Aaron and Sarah, different ones, they're on vacation. And Joyce and Danny, forgot about that this morning, they're on vacation. Uh, remember the prayer meeting is on the 24th. That's this coming Saturday at 7 o'clock, getting ready for the July meeting, which will be July the 1st and 2nd at 5 o'clock, and then next, the next day at 945, regular service on Sunday. Uh, only one service, though, to be catered. Brother Jewel Forney and Brother Mike Olte will be with us that weekend. Remember, July 14, 15, and 16, uh, I've kind of got a little, uh, uh, Brother Joe's working on an itinerary, but uh, we're going to need 14 or 15 rooms, and some will 
Some will um, come together, some of the singles, and stay in the same room. But we're going to try to get rooms for the couples that are married, um, try to get you a regular room. So we'll, we're working on that. So just pray for us that we get that done. Um, we appreciate your participation. Precipitation. We we appreciate the precipitation, Lord. Thank you for the rain, but participation would be a little bit different. Thank you for your participation. We've got about 51 signed up now. So, uh, but make sure that if you're if if you're on that list, but something happens and you can't go, you need to let me know. All right, because I, we're getting um, the rooms together and all that. So, and then remember. Um, the church will be paying for your motel room, but you'll be required to get your own way up there and get your way back. And any meal that's outside of the camp, or we camp, the youth service that we're having on Saturday, fellowship on Friday. We're going to have a service on Saturday, and then service on Sunday, and then we're going to eat at the farmer's daughter, which will be right immediately after that. So we appreciate. Brother Dale letting us go and and paying for the rooms, so we really appreciate that. Because I mean the rooms are expensive; they're going to be you know a couple hundred bucks a piece, so for for per night. So, but we're trying to get the best rate we can, and we're working on that now. So just keep us in prayer. Uh, all minds clear, everything good. And remember, July twenty ninth, we may have that worship service on Saturday. Uh, working on that too, so that's just tentative. That'll be the last Saturday of this month or July. Man, this year's gone by, you know that. So just remember that. And remember also that um, the September youth meeting, that's why I announced these three or four months in advance, but it doesn't seem to help because you forget about it. But Brother Andrew Glover will be here September, third Saturday in September for our youth service on that Saturday, and he'll be with us on that Sunday. But that'll be our next youth service besides the one in July that's going to be up there. And then we won't have one in August. We'll have one in September. So just remember that. And camp meeting's coming up in August. We already got some people calling wanting to come and, and minister. Brother Keith Reed will be here that week uh, after. And Brother Jason Jackson's going to be with us that, that month. And probably some others that have already said that we're coming. And we're going to try to go to camp meeting. If you'd like to go, let me know. And uh, we get together. All right, so just remember that. That's it, Brother Joe Green's. Happens every year, first week in August of every year. So all minds clear. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you've given us. You've just heaped blessings on top of us, Lord. But help us to realize that you have supplied our needs and not our wants. And, Lord, our needs are are many, but you said you would bring us out of every one of them if we just give it to you. Father, today we give ourselves to you, Lord. We give this congregation to you. Lord, we give everything that we have, Lord, that we can hear from you, Father. Songs have been sung, the, the different requirements that we have of tithing and taking up offering or uh, singing. Lord, they've all been taken care of. Now, I pray, Lord, that we'd be all attentive and listen today, Lord, to what you have to say to us, Father. We ask you to be the ones that are sick, be the ones that are not with us, Lord, that you'll bring them back into the fold, especially the ones, Lord, that are out and on vacation. I'm sure they're traveling now. Be with Brother Jeremiah and, and that group, Lord, as they're heading back toward uh, Alabama, Lord, I pray that you'd be with the young people there. Father, just bless each one. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Part 114. We'll get there sometime. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He said, Brother Wade, I don't feel anything. You know, there's probably days Jesus didn't feel like being God either. Hello. Because the Bible said he learned by the things he suffered and being made perfect. He didn't just wake up and all of a sudden he didn't have a toothache or all of a sudden he he never was hungry. No, the Bible talks about him being hungry and him being angry. Hmm. A little frustrated. Peter, get behind me, Satan. Don't be talking like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he ain't Mr. Lovey-Dovey like the world thinks he is. But he loved you enough to die for you. That's what mattered. All right. In the beginning was the Word, where it was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And now we're heading up the statue of perfect man. And besides this, in other words, beside your born-again experience, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. You may be seated in the Lord as blessing to the reading of His Word. I want us to understand that this is attainable. Brother Brown said we can do this. He said, listen, if it's required, then he had to make a way for it to happen. All right, if it's a requirement, he had to make a way for us to be not like God, but to be God. To be in his image, to get back, and we'll look at it in just a few minutes. That You know what we're getting back to? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were naked the whole time. And had no issues. Brother Brown said they had a Holy Spirit veil over their eyes. What happened was, as Eve walked out from under that veil and gave them the key of knowledge of good and evil to be able to know that they were naked, the first time they got out from under that, where did they go? They went in the bushes and made them some fig leaves, and that's what we've been doing ever since. So what's God doing? Anything that man has done to to degrade or to fall, God has reversed that process to go back. Because we were made in his image. We were made in his likeness. We're supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. Just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before the fall. So everything that God's done from there to here is to roll that thing back to do what? Bring that Holy Ghost veil... Back over our eyes again. Because when we get to glory, guess what? There won't be any sex. There won't be any... Yeah, Brother Brown said, you'll know who your wife was, but there'll be no intimacy. There'll be no like we, we have now. This is permitted, not uh, not the perfect will of God. It's permitted how we got here. But it's the only way once Adam and Eve crossed that line, they couldn't get back. So when they crossed that line, God said, okay, I know you messed up, but I'm going to make a way for you to get back. All right? The Holy Ghost has been taken away or taken off your eyes, but I'm going to go back in the end time and I'm going to put it back on. But now you got to remember, though, Satan had a veil also. Because remember, this age, they're blind, miserable, naked, and don't know it. So see, as, as God comes down, Satan comes with it. There's, there's really... Uh, he's just a copycat. So whatever God's doing, he just tries to do the reverse. So really, you should we should know his tactics. As Brother Brown said, we should know his tactics and what he's up to. Well, we do. The only problem is that sometimes the, that veil of Satan got on their eyes in the church ages and made a, a trinity veil. 
made a, a three-god veil or made a, a baptism in Father, Son, Holy Ghost veil and put it over their eyes of the people, of the religious people, not just over the world, over the religious people. And they took that as doctrine, as we were talking this morning. <clears throat> but our doctrine should be that we can do this. We can make it. Somebody's going to. Let's just believe it's us. Let's just believe that God has put you in a place and me in a place, unique place, that not just that we preach and try to get you emotionally built up. I wish we could. A lot of you wouldn't fall asleep like you do. But we just don't do that here. That means you got to fight. You got to fight for every second. You got to fight for every minute. You got to say, God, give me something. I need something. We're, we're not going to be running the rafters or running the back of the pews and shouting and all that. If you did, then you'd pretty much stay awake, and all of you other ones would stay awake and be able to see what's going on. Well, praise the Lord anyway. Amen. Colossians 1 says, In you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, that's pre, pre-new birth. All right? Everybody with me? We always like to say B.C. Before Christ, all right? So B.C., in our mind, we were wicked. And even though you lived a pure life, you were still wicked because you didn't have God. If you don't have God, you're wicked. Yet now has he reconciled. In other words, what I just like I said before, whatever got lost, he's going to reconcile it back, all right? And he saw a group of people that would be reconciled back and how they would be reconciled back. Then he would see a group of people make believers, unbelievers, and true believers. He'd see them, and he'd see who would and who wouldn't. And the body of his flesh through death to present present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. All right, now that's what God said about us. When are we going to start saying that about us? All right? You know, like Brother Joel will probably say in a few weeks, he'll say, wowsy, wowsy, woo. What? Get all that bucket mouth stuff. I ain't this and I ain't that. And I can't this and I can't that. Get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It will cause you to do something different. If you're continuing in the same way, do something different. Get the new birth. Really get a relationship with Jesus. Don't ever forget that. Get a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Then he'll give you a relationship with the message of the hour. I promise you that. He'll give you a relationship and reveal to you that Brother Brandon was the prophet of the hour. Amen? Amen. And not a false prophet. The Bible says if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, that's the statue of perfect man. Because what is a baby? A baby falls. A baby has to be picked up. A baby has to be fed. A baby has to be told what to do. Christians shouldn't have to be told what to do. It's like I like what that brother said the other day. He said, "You can, you don't you will never have to beg a Christian to come to church. Never, never will you have to beg a Christian to come to church. When I say what I do, it means you're not a Christian if you don't come to church all the time. If you just decide to come when you need to. Ah, uh, sorry, won't do. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel." Listen, this is the only hope I got. I hope it's the only hope you got. I hope you hadn't put your hope on something else to get you to heaven. I hope you hadn't. Why are you sitting here today? 
You have a hope of the gospel that something's going to spark in your life. Something's going to spark in you, not in your neighbor, not in your husband or your wife, in you. Something's going to spark in you and it's going to take you up higher. Spark in you, take you up higher. Spark in you, take you up higher. You can't sit here 30 or 40 years and be the same not on a pickle like you used to be. And I don't know what a bump on a pickle's for, so that's about useless as you can get. Right, Sister Rebecca? That's about useless, a bump on a pickle. I don't know what it's for. gets in my way. Well, I guess it's something to hold on to so you can handle it and eat. Hey, don't let me forget, I'm bringing some pickles to the thing. i got to bring it and get some pickles. I've been, I've been pickle-wanting today. So anyway, you know what a pickle is, right? It's a cucumber that never goes back. That's what us, us is. Yeah. We're changed and we can't go back. Once the pickling process happens, we can't be a, a cucumber no more. We're a pickle. Now, we might look like a cucumber. And we may still have bumps on us. But if you go through the pickling process, you become a pickle. And we like pickles. Be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. You can't say, I have not heard. And which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereby I, Paul, am made a minister. I, I just would just love for a moment just sit and, and watch Paul work like in the Corinthians. He knows that they're having idols. He knows that they're, they're drinking at the Lord's table. He knows the certain things that they're doing. Yet he's sitting there as a master builder. He called himself a master builder. He sits there as a master craftsman, and he's sitting there, and he's, he's you know, sawing off the bumps to make that Corinthian church into an Ephesian church because, he, you know, he had both. He had churches in Corinth which were Corinthians, which were pure much raw heathen. Then he had a church in Ephesus. He didn't have to go see every once in a while. He'd go see them once every two or three years, and it'd be good because they were established, settled, and they were what? They, they was, God was working with these virtues, I believe, in their life. And there was only 12 of them. Right. Who now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery. When you say this word mystery, then that means it's not common. Alright? There's a mystery there. There's something that's hidden, that's previously hidden, that's now been made known. As Brother Brown said, the mystery has now been history because the book's open. There's always a wonderful mystery. But once that mystery is made known, once you've seen the movie, whatever you want to put in there, once you've seen the end of it, there's no mystery to it anymore. It's that aha moment. You go, ah, oh, that's what it is. I like Brother Russ Dunker. You you know, he's from Minnesota, and, you know, he talks like a Yankee, but bless his heart, he'll get converted one day. But... um, you start talking to him about the Word of God, and he's only been in a message several years, you know, Brother John, and he and you start talking to him, and he doesn't... You know, you talk to some people, and they go, hmm, All right, hmm. No, his is about 30 seconds long. He goes, hmm. So now you know he's thinking about something, not just going, hmm. He goes, hmm. It was previously a mystery, and somewhere in that 30 seconds of hmm, his mind is running. 
Why don't you let yours do that? Instead of shutting it off, why don't you let yours get have that moment where you go, that's refreshing. That mystery was just refreshing. That just absolutely thrilled my soul. Whether my body liked it or not, or my spirit liked it or not, your soul is always going to agree with the truth. It can't help it. So even the mystery, hmm, which has been hid from ages and generations, now is made manifest to his saints. Now remember, this is in Paul's age, first church age. They haven't had the seals broke to them yet. So they didn't get the whole book. They got part of the book. They got the statue of perfect man up to where it says Holy Spirit, but they never got the capstone or the seals never opened to even to the Apostle Paul who taught us all these great mysteries. But there was one mystery left, and that mystery was a mystery of the opening of the seals and bringing Christ back to the earth like he wanted to be. So even the mystery which has hid from ages and generations is now made manifest to his saints. That's he's talking about in like B.C. 56. Now we're in, um, um, yeah, A.D. 56. Now we're in A.D. 2023. We ought to know more about these mysteries, right? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Now, who is he talking about? He really just narrowed it right down. He didn't say Israel's going to get this. This is not the Jewish mystery. Now, there were Jews included, but I'm talking about Jews as a nation. It's for the Gentiles. Who is us? Right? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, see, Paul spoke this. But remember, when Brother Branham comes and preaches, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. One of the most powerful sermons he ever preached in his life. He said, if you don't get it in the seals, come right back to here and, and see this one more time. Take this message with a threefold purpose. Oh, God, what he poured, was he poured into Christ, Christ into the church. Take her back to the Garden of Eden. Now, look. Hold it now. Brother Paul could get all God was he poured into Christ. And pretty much all of what Christ poured in the church. But he couldn't take us back to the Garden of Eden. Because the seals hadn't been opened. He couldn't take this back to the Garden of Eden. He could, he, Paul could just say, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? And he went to that grave. He had his head chopped off. So he couldn't have preached Christ as a mystery of God revealed. But here the prophet of God comes and preaches after the seals. He preaches Christ is a mystery of God revealed, showing us how God poured himself into Christ, how Christ poured himself into his church and then took us back to the Garden of Eden condition before there was a fall. Paul couldn't do that, but the prophet of God did, going back into the mind of God, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Look, that you may present every, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Then we remember what godliness is. It's to be like God, as Brother Barham said. So that's what we've got to do. Work on that, but work on it in a way where you can do it, not where you can't do it. All right? Oh, I can't do it. Oh, yes, you can, Brother Barham said. Statue of Perfect Man, paragraph 301. If you can't, you need to deal with him because you know what? Now you're required to do it because you know it, that you can. All right? And then re realize that you are deity. That's why I said about getting the new birth. If you have the new birth, you have deity. Right. 
You're not searching for deity. You're not looking for deity to come on the scene. You are deity. Deity is, deity is, is unveiled inside of you. Now, what is this age? It's unveiling. It's not veiling. It's unveiling. The unveiling of God. In other words, the unveiling of the bride. That's what God wants to see in the end time. He wants to see us unveiled to the world. Brother Brown said one time, he said, just for a moment, God's going to, in other words, put us on a pedestal and say, hey, this is my bride. They're here. They've made it. Somebody has. Or we're all going to go by the grave. Deity fell on the day of Pentecost. Now look, if deity fell on the day of Pentecost, what about today? Deity fell on the day of Pentecost for one first church age. 120 in the upper room, 3,000 downstairs. Now we're a recipient at the other end of it, at the open book part of it, and it's falling, yes, the same deity, but look, we're required more. They weren't required to come to a body change. They weren't required to come to a resurrection. You and I are required to come to that. So we're in a dispensation that's different from that. I believe God believes in dispensations. You know why? Because I believe he set them up. Hello, come on, somebody. Y'all wake up. Goodness, a lot of y'all are asleep. Heavenly days. Pinch yourself. You need a bowling ball. Hold this one above your head. Not down at your feet. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I'm sorry, folks. I'm human as y'all are. It's depressing when you got about 20 people doing this. Totally out. You're not listening to nothing I'm saying. Nothing. Why? Oh, I'll get it sublimely. <laughs> yeah. Brother Brown said, look, there's a group of people that will do only his will. This is where he said, pick up his pen and write. So this is the Holy Ghost writing to me and you. No one can persuade them different. They have thus saith the Lord or they keep still. Then they will do the works of God for it is himself in them. So it's not you doing the work. It's Christ inside of you doing the work. It is himself in them continuing his word to fulfill as he did complete in his day. Now look, he said that in his day. All right? All things when he was here, but he did not complete all when he was here. Because you and I weren't there yet. For it was not time yet. I promise you today is the time. The Bible tells us, uh, talks about a doctrine which is according to godliness. The only way you're going to get godliness is, excuse me, is to have the true, correct doctrine. Jesus stood and he didn't have to wonder whether he was preaching the correct doctrine. No, he was the doctrine. So being the doctrine, he could preach the doctrine in 100% truth. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, get some Jesus. Get some Jesus. Get the preacher inside of you. Get some Jesus and he'll tell you what to say. The dictionary says it's a set of ideas or beliefs that are taught or believed to be true. And you know that we there's a lot of things that we believe that others don't. There's a lot of things, especially out in the world, that the world doesn't believe that we believe or vice versa. All right? But I'm not worried about the world. I'm not going to worry. We can't save the world. I wish we could. You know what? If God can't save the whole world, you sure can't. All right? So let's just quit trying. 
just 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 live your Christian life, be the best you can do, bring all of them in that you can, pray for your family, pray for your friends, and turn them over to God. Best thing you can ever do in your life. And if it so happens that you, your church, doesn't believe now, Brother Brown, look look how cordial he is. He, he's cordial everywhere he goes. He goes. Remember, he's dealing with denominations. He don't have message believers sitting in his congregation. That's right. <laughs> that, that hadn't happened yet. Right. Now, there's believers, but there's not message believers. Because right. a lot of them people did not believe what he was saying. They wanted to see the miracles. Well, praise the Lord, that's what happened. If it so happens that you, your church, doesn't believe, or you do not believe just the things that we speak of in our, as our church doctrine, we trust that it will by no means bring an offense. In other words, he didn't want to be offensive. Because the very first step to successful Christianity, now if you want the first step to a successful Christian life, read this. To show that man has received the Holy Spirit is humility. Real God-given humility, that it must be given humbly, but yet a church without a doctrine. Now, he still tells you, look, you can't be a jellyfish. You can't just say, well, well, you believe whatever you want to do. That's what the world does. You can't believe whatever you want to. Now, you can't. But if you're going to live godly, if we're going to be in the message of the hour, if we're going to listen to the tapes, read the books, and come to the message church, then there are certain things that you got to believe. There are certain doctrines that you got to carry with you. Right. And you got to be the doctrine. Right. Listen, when we first come in the message in the 60s, late 60s, uh, women didn't cut their hair and didn't wear pants because somebody told them that. They didn't really have to read in the Bible. Because this person that we're following now, this William Branham guy, we heard it on tape that we're supposed to not cut our hair and we're not supposed to wear pants. So we don't do it because Brother Brown said not to do it. Well, that's not right. The Bible told you not to do it long before Brother Brown got here. What happened was, though, that veil that Satan put on Eve's eyes put on everybody else's eyes. Think of the women now. I thank God. I'm a post deliver. I deliver mail, right? There are certain magazines that are just regular, common magazines that I, there's no way I have in my house. You can't hardly get better homes and gardens to have something that looks good in it that's not got naked women in it. But think about 30, 40 years ago when magazines were, you got them in the mail and, and all that stuff. You gotta say no. That's not right. You gotta breathe. You gotta breathe. Not be the jellyfish. You gotta have a backbone. Say, so, hey, don't give me any of that. Well, now it's just everywhere. It's just prevalent all over the place. But thank God, He gave us a Holy Ghost veil Amen. to help us get through this. So we gotta have a backbone in it, and not only a backbone, but teeth, because the Church of God must eat. The bread of life. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed for people to know that I live and try to be this message of the hour. I have no shame in that. You shouldn't either. Where you go to church? What's the name of your church? What? What? 
I mean, really, if you're ashamed, if you're ashamed. Because, listen, most people know since that sign's been put out there 40-something, 50 years ago, they know what we believe. The community pretty much knows what we believe. They just kind of skirt around it, you know. And you get that I ain't perfect and you ain't perfect, you know. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power. So now if you're ashamed of the gospel, you have no power. Because this says, if you're not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. As Brother Dale's always said, have we lived it in front of our kids? To where they want what you got, not don't want what you got. Think about that. Now let's look at this just for a minute. Brother Brown, Power of Transformation, 1965. Now in God's Eden, they were naked and didn't know it. And now in Satan's Eden, be it by science and education, they are naked again and don't know it. What a perversion. Look at today. Look at man trying to wear his wife's underneath clothes. Boy, isn't that true? And she's wearing, trying to wear his clothes. Bless your heart. Sister Esther went in the bathroom the other day and a man came in. I mean, they're using both bathrooms now, so there's no gender. You know, it's all gender friendly, I guess you might say. But, Brother Brown, this is back in 1965. I mean, how innocent is 1965 compared to today? Very innocent. <laughs> very, very innocent, according to now. But what happened is, though, there, there wasn't a, as much avail out there. There was some modesty. Listen, I don't remember any of my women school teachers wearing pants. I do not. Mom, you? I just don't remember them. And, and listen, back then it was more prevalent for a woman to be a, a teacher than it was for men. Because you had to remember you had the old school arms, you know, you had the school. And I never remember them. Now, they might have, but I don't remember wearing a pair of pants. They wore a dress. You definitely wore a dress to church. There was no doubt about that. You didn't see a pair of pants on a woman in the 60s and 70s going to church. There was at least some, yeah, why you say wow, Brother John? Because you didn't see that back then. I grew up in the 60s going even to a Baptist church knowing that they did not walk in that door with a pair of pants on. Now, shorts, them Speedos or whatever they wear now, the women and all that, they don't care. They just go to church any way they want to. But listen, that's no worse than us turning the word down. So let's don't put us up here and them down here. Let's stay humble and say, all right, Lord, had it not been for you, I'd be doing the same identical thing, all right? <clears throat> but you know what you did? You, by the grace of God, you made yourself available to listen to what God said. They have shut their ears off and their eyes have been blinded by the God of this evil age. And listen, that God is still here. And that God is bombarding me and you. But we thank God. We have the God that overrules all that. He's trying to let his hair grow out like hers. She's cutting hers off like his. Oh my, man trying to be woman. Women trying to be man, a perversion. I appreciate a guy the other day. He was, he was being uh, uh, questioned in like a schoolhouse type situation. And, and he's... Uh, I think I told you about it the other day. But he was uh, uh, look, uh, talking to a transgender person. And 
And, you know, the transgender's like, well, there's no difference. Some, you know, it could be a man, it could be a woman. And and the, the guy looked there and looked at that person and said, all right, answer me one question. I don't want all your opinion. Answer me one question. Has a man, since the dawn of time, has a man ever had a baby? And whatever that thing was said, well, no, but, but he said, no, I don't want, he said, I wanted you to answer my question, yes or no. Has a man, since the dawn of time, every, ever, got conceived and had a baby? And, and the person said, no. He said, well, then there's a difference. Then there's a difference. There has to be, if you can and this one can't, there's got to be a difference. All right? But see, you see how the world, though, they took it and just turned it back around and went the other way and said, well, you can do whatever you want to do and blah, blah, blah. That probably didn't do anything to that person. He just went, or that person just went out and believed whatever he's going to believe anyway. But thank God for a man that could stand up in a, in a group and, and stand for what's right, stand for the truth. Amen. Stand for the way you are born is the way you are. That's the same thing the church is doing, same thing to lay out the CNAs. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about this Holy Ghost veil. Listen, the reason that you didn't know you were, they didn't, they didn't know they were naked in the beginning. There was a Holy Spirit veiled them. Now, listen, where is that Holy Spirit today? The same Holy Spirit that covered Adam and Eve. Where is it today? It's right here. It's the same Holy Ghost. He don't change. He didn't make any difference. He didn't change. He's right here now inside of you. That's what makes you not be naked and try to show yourself naked to the world, men and women. But there was a Holy Spirit veil that veiled them from nakedness. They didn't know it. The Holy Spirit was over their eyes. They seen nothing but their brother and sister, see? The laws, they didn't know they were naked. The Holy Spirit. Now the spirit of unholiness, uncleanness and lust, has veiled them. What? The Laodicean church age. Education, science, well, it's scientific. And he goes on to tell you that science says wear shorts because it's cooler. He said, no. He said, he said the people in Mexico and the people, the Native Americans, he said they put on clothes to sweat and cause air conditioning and cause insulation to... Uh, so he said that was disproving all that. But what are we looking for? I'm looking for that Holy Ghost veil to veil us back the other way. That keeps us from looking at the woman. That keeps us from looking at the man. That keeps us from all the X, Y, Z you want to put in there, whatever they got in the end time. It's going to be put in front of your face. Young children, beware. Be careful. One wrong punch of a button. And you can be ruined for life. You should be careful. You know what? Ask that Holy Ghost. I promise you that Holy Ghost will never tell you to press the wrong button. If you'll listen to the Holy Ghost, he'll never tell you to press the wrong button. Because he's never wrong. What our problem is, is we override that and say, well, okay, that's not so bad. Just press play or whatever you want to do. But the word godly means a deity. So we come up to now to a deity and it's where you resemble that deity in any way. So in Genesis 1.26, God made an image that looked like him. And looked like him and acted like him. But now what did he do? He gave him dominion. You say, well, Roy, why do you keep reading this? I want you to know that that same dominion is what we're going to have to have for this statue of a perfect man. 
When you get born again, listen, you don't have dominion over everything. You still got issues, bad issues, problems. Come on, is it just me? We still have issues, but we must have dominion over them. Overcome. Remember, it's not what you overcome, it's how you overcome it. You overcome it by the Word of God. You don't overcome it by your trying to will something out of your life. Please don't ever try to will something out of your life. It'll come back every time. But if you'll ask God to take it out of your life, destroy it, kill it, murder it, then you're fine. All right? So let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God didn't, uh, he created man, in it, so he went ahead and just did it. He, and there's no other way. He made you in his image. All right? The image of God created in him, male and female, created he them. And now we see what God said about the bride, which is the female part of Christ. Is everybody with me on that? Yeah. All right? Second Timothy 3 says, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, the persecutions he endured. But out of all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So let's talk about brotherly kindness just for a minute. <clears throat> we know what it adds. It adds all through this. And Philadelphia is the word for brotherly love or brotherly kindness. Love of brothers or sisters, brotherly love. In the New Testament, the love which Christians cherish. I want you to understand something. Watch how that says in the New Testament. Because I'm going to read you something in just a few minutes. When Jesus stood up one day and told the disciples, he said, a new commandment I give you. Now, he didn't change from the Old Testament. All right? He couldn't change the Word of God. Because he was the Word of God. But he said, a new commandment I give you. He said, you say an eye for an eye. Right? That was the law. The law was if, if, if Brother Michael, if I killed his brother, I'm sorry about that. Okay, if we killed him. So, I, well, he's kind of looking a little. But there had to be a reconciliation to that. There wasn't any court. No, if I kill Benjamin, he came after me. The law said he could kill me. There was only a few refuge cities we could get in and stay there. And you know what that is, folks? That's grace. That's grace in the Old Testament that gives you where, say that I did hit Benjamin in the head, but it was a hammer that I was hammering and the head fell off and hit him in the head and killed him. Well, that was not malice murder. That wasn't I intended but still, if I killed him, he had the opportunity, according to the law, to kill me. Right. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? But I'm going to show you, I'm going to read you something here that Jesus stood up one day and he said, a new law I give you, a new commandment, that if a brother does that, just give him everything you got. If he hits you on one side, give him the other side. God is love, but love typically produces obedience. And for all who refuses to repent and believe in Christ, they receive justice. I want you to think about that. God is love, and it's agape love. And it's, it's a love that has judgment involved with it, not just lovey-dovey. Because listen, this world is pent up on Jesus loves everybody, and it really don't matter what you do. Come on, somebody, really? You listen to them out there in the world. God is love. 
It's just like the old hippie love back, I'm sorry, back in the 60s. Free love. You just, whatever makes you feel good. And I think that's the way it has become in the world. Because there's no judgment. There's no God of judgment anymore. Everybody's going to heaven. Nobody's going to hell. When the Bible tells us plainly that hell hath enlarged its gate so to get enough people in it. So God is love, but that love is typically produces obedience. And Brother Brown said love is corrective. Oh, we hate that part. And for all who refuse to repent and believe in Christ, they receive justice. For those who do trust in Christ, they receive what they don't deserve, grace, as we were talking about just now, and have withheld what, the really, what they really did deserve, and that was mercy. Which side are you on? Do you have eternal life, or do you still have the wrath of God abiding on you? That's a question for you today. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Cold and informal. Brother Brown said, you must be born again. This read it this morning. Then you got agape love. Then you got filial love. That's the love that you have for your wife. And remember, agape love is never conditional. It's the love of God. All right. You said, well, it, yeah, well, there's, un, there's certain things you got to do. But your love for your wife and your love for your brother is conditional, but it shouldn't be. That's why you got to move from, a, from filial love to agape love. All right? Filial love will never save you. Filial love will never lo- make you love your brother either. Come on. It won't. Okay. That's the love that you have for your wife. If some man should insult her, you'd shoot his brains out because it causes jealousy. But that's filial love. Secondary love. Then comes lust for another man's wife. Then comes filth. It just becomes perverted. But all of this kind of love had a beginning. But when that real genuine love of God... Because remember when God walked into the Garden of Eden, the love he projected was agape love. He's never had filial love. Okay? But now when, when Adam and Eve stepped out from under that veil, they went from agape love to filial love. Because remember, they had a veil when they were naked. They didn't know they were naked. It didn't bother them. There was nothing going on. There was nothing happening. They were just perfectly in harmony with each other all the time. That'd be a wonderful marriage, wouldn't it? But guess what? We're all over here in filial love. And so Adam and Eve was too, and I'm sure there were some days. I mean, she lived several hundred years. He lived 900 and something years. Had to be some contention there somewhere. Well, praise the Lord. Some of y'all have been married ten, two years. And... Oh, Zach Black's not here. We'll get on to him. But when that real genuine love of God that I've been talking about comes into the human being by the new birth, so the only way you're going to get it is by the new birth. Being born again, it had no beginning and it'll never have an end. You are then a son of God and a daughter of God and your affections are on things above. Filial love would make you shoot a man for insulting your wife. Agape love would make you pray for his lost soul. That's the difference. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1958. Brother Adam said, And then the first great spirit of God, which is love. God's like a great rainbow. We couldn't imagine what he looks like. So just we're going to say he looked like a rainbow in spirit. The perfect spirit of love. Red. Blue. The perfect spirit of fellowship. Just all perfect spirits. 
Then they begin to condescend, coming down, and they come all the way down from filial love or agape love to filial love and on down to lust and down to the lowest. And then God himself became a man, Jesus. But now remember, when God became Jesus, when he, when he condescended down, he didn't condescend in filial love. God can't change. God can't change. If not, he couldn't teach us how to have agape love. Because he was agape love. He couldn't do any different. He was agape love. He didn't have a carnal mind. He didn't, have, he didn't war in his members that what his mama was and what his daddy was. He knew who his daddy was. Okay? Is everybody with me? When he condescended, he only condescended in that he narrowed himself in human flesh to die for me and you. Because remember, Brother Brown said he didn't become less God. Come on, he didn't become less God when he became Jesus. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Inside of him dwelt all of God, which is agape love. There was no room for filial love. But remember, he loved them with agape love, but he knew they wouldn't love him back with agape love. They loved him with a conditional love. When he was healing them, when he was feeding them, when he was getting them across in a boat, when there was a storm, when he was walking across the water, when he had a real good social problem going on, they loved him. But, buddy, when he come over here and that agape love started projecting, if you don't believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins. That wasn't filial love. That was agape love. And that's the same thing going to happen to me and you. That's why you're going to be persecuted for being... Like Jesus. He knew before the foundation of the world whose names were written on the book and redeemed them back to himself. There you are. The story of redemption cannot be fully known until we see him and we stand in his likeness. Brother Brown, now he comes in. We'll finally get to this. Sixthly, let's add, the Bible said, adding brotherly love, brotherly kindness. Now that's a good one right here. It's the sixth. Then he says seventh, but it is the sixth. All right, adding brotherly kindness. All right, when we get to that brotherly kindness, put yourself in his place on the matter. Remember, like I've always said, be careful when you're out in the world and somebody's crossed to you, maybe somebody that's, uh, um, somebody that's a waitress or a waiter or something. You don't know what kind of day they've had. You ever tried God bless you? Sometimes it'll just rip their mind off because they'll look at you like, well, thank you. I mean, they don't even know. They've never said. They've had some other cursings during the day, but they've never really had somebody say, God bless you. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. Is everything okay? And give them a little extra money. Give them a little extra tip. Oh, that hurts. My brother sinned against me, said Peter. Shall I forgive him? Peter was a little bit. Peter was saying, I got it whipped here. I'm going to make myself a name because uh, I'm just not going to forgive one time. Uh, I'm going to forgive seven times a day. <laughs> the Lord said, no. He said, 70 times seven. Peter, you missed it by a bunch. Right. Now, that's really, Peter was going, hey, I'll answer that uh, seven times a day. Well, that sounds good. Good number. Jesus turned around and said, that ain't even close, Peter. 70 times a day. Seventy times seven. 
Brotherly kindness. Now we see if a brother is all out of tune, don't be impatient with him. See, no, no. Be kind to him. Go anyway. Somebody said not long ago, I want you all to, to, to think about this quote because I'm fixing to read you another one that seems a little bit opposite to that because Brother Brown was a human being. All right, you ready? Somebody said not long ago, how can you believe those things the way you do? Now watch. And still go to the assembly of God, the oneness, all the rest. Then put, see, brotherly kindness. See, see. Hoping someday. See. Patience with him. See. Temperate. Enduring with him. Knowledge to understand what he believes. Remember, it's in his heart. That's what is. Virtue in yourself to let it go out with kindness, meekness to him, having faith that someday God will bring him in. Brotherly kindness, Brother Ram said, the seventh thing, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. See, seventh thing, said, now you're coming. Now, I'm going to read you a quote. Hang on a minute. Keep your eyes closed. Because I've got to go to the very end. Because it was one I put at the very last. Because I remember it. All right, you ready? This is the same person. This is Brother William Marion Brownham. Everybody okay? This is 1962. On the statue of a perfect man, Brother Brown says, I was down Brother Wright's. I think they're back there somewhere. One night there was a minister down there. I was speaking four or five preachers together. This preacher raised up and said, Now, I want to tell you people something. Oh, I think you're fine people. All right? I said, I told somebody, I said, that, That's one sitting right there. Watch. Now, look, Brother Brown's telling somebody beside of him, he said, there's one, watch. So Junior Jackson back there just got through speaking, and he said was preaching on the grace of God. He was burning up, waiting. He's talking about this other guy. He got up there, and he was trying to understand. Now, I want to say that Brother Branham here, I'll tell you, is an antichrist. And he started off like that all night. Some of the preachers started. I said, wait a minute. Now, don't say nothing, brothers. There's only one of him and a bunch of us. Now, here's the real thought of the prophet. I said, just let him alone. He's picking on me. I wanted it myself so bad, I didn't know what to do. Hmm. He wanted it so bad to get up there and tell that brother that he was wrong. And if you'll continue on with the quote, he did get to ask the brother a couple of questions because the brother was telling, saying that, that the apostolic age was gone. There was no speaking in tongues. There was no divine healing. And Brother Brown was preaching all that. But he said, I wanted it myself so bad, he's picking on me. I didn't know what to do. See? So you have to be, you have to be, what, what is it? A balance. We have to have a balance in this thing. Everything's got to be a balance. So Brother Brown was a human being, but yet he was balanced. All right? Everybody with me? Now, remember, Jesus tells us, he said, All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Then he says that they may be one as we are. Really, to get true oneness, you got to come to brotherly kindness, you got to have true oneness, because there can't be anything in between. Everybody with me? There can't be anything in between. It's got to be you and God. All right? While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. This is Jesus praying. We read this the other day. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. In other words, I'm, I, I'm not wanting you to shelter them. 
They're going to have to prove who they are. They're going to have to prove brotherly kindness. They're going to have to prove temperance. They're going to have to prove patience. Because I've got a bunch of overcomers coming. I don't have a bunch of wimps. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And this whole process is a sanctifying process. Yeah, even though you're born again, you still need your spirit realm sanctified. Now, here we go. This is John 13, 34. This is Jesus now, the word of God that was in the Old Testament, right? Now, he's coming into the New Testament, and he has been made flesh. He was Jehovah at one time where the animal blood could not let him come down and redeem anyone. There was no redemption in the Old Testament. Everybody understand that, right? All right, there was a covering. We'll get into that uh, several, several down the road. We'll talk about anointing. But that anointing, that same Jehovah, Brother Brown said, became Jesus Christ. Now, then he was able to project agape love. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Think. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to the other. Matthew 5, 37 says, But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You have heard that it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. What? Resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other one also. And if a man shall sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go two miles. Give to him that askest thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Now watch. Love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. All right? You have, been, you have heard, you've been told to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. How many of us have ever done that? I didn't think so. We've got a long way to go. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Hmm. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do the same thing? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans also? Be therefore perfect. Now, he comes all the way down through all that and tells us to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven 
It's perfect. John 15, 9 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in what? My love, which is agape love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. All right? Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. Everybody with me? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Divine Love, 1950. Six. Now we are facing a day. Now this is 1956 before he preached Statue of Perfect Man. Now we are facing a day that when it's prophesied that brotherly love would become a strange thing among people. And it's to my humble belief. Now watch. And it's to my humble belief that that is the greatest of all the gifts that's in God's Bible. What was the two greatest commandments? They asked him, and I'll read that maybe later on. But what was the, oh, oh what's, the two, what's the greatest commandment? He said, number one, love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy might. What's the second one? Love thy neighbor as you love yourself. He said, you do these two, you're doing real good. You know, if you do them two, you won't have to worry about the other eight. Because you won't kill, you won't steal, you won't do those things. That's my humble belief, Brother Brown says, that this is the greatest of all the gifts that there is in God's Bible. Now listen, here stands Brother Brown in 1956 in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. He's right in the middle of the greatest healing campaign ever since Jesus Christ walked on the face of the earth. All right? So you would think he would say the greatest gift would be the gift of divine healing. If the Lord Jesus should stand on the platform tonight and look me in the face and say, I'm going to give you your choice. You can be a great person, a great minister. I'll give you a gift of preaching the gospel, which he did. Or I'll give you the gift of teaching the word, which God did. And I'll give you the gift of prophecy, which God did. Or I'll make you a prophet, which God did. Or any of these other fine gifts of faith. Any of the gifts that's in the Bible, I'll give them every one to you, but then I'll withhold love from you. Or either I'll give you love and withhold the gift from you. I'd say, Lord, take all the gifts and let me have the love. See, for no matter how many gifts we got, they will never do us any good except the love of God is the motive behind the gift. We must have love. Brother Brown, 1957. I will restore. <clears throat> they had brotherly love, and they weren't greedy. They sold everything they had for the furthering of the church. They were so together till even when one heard the other one died, they said, let's go and die with him. Such a feeling. Now, Jesus spoke of this and said, let brotherly love continue. That was in the first church. But look, but something's taking place. And there was a fellow come in by the name of the pommel worm. We talked about it a little bit this morning. And when he began to eat on that vine of brotherly love, he cut the very sap line of it because it don't make any difference how smart we are, how much we think we know, or how much we want to be different from somebody else. As long as that brotherly feeling isn't among us, we're fighting a losing battle. 
That's right. <clears throat> we can't win. There's no way for us to win. So why are we not winning? Why do we not have victory? Maybe we need to work on our brotherly kindness. Maybe we need to work on our brotherly love. Christ revealed in his own word, 1965. <clears throat> there was a certain person said to me, he said, I believe you're an antichrist. I said, if that would be pleasing to my Lord, that's what I want to be. No, bless God, I'm a prophet. Don't you call me that. He said, okay, buddy. <laughs> if that would be pleasing to my Lord, that'd be fine. I want to be whatever he wants me to be. I love him. And if he should cast me into hell, I still will love him. If I go with the same spirit I have now. He looked at me kind of strange. Well, praise God. He probably never heard that before. I seen four or five of them there, young men, young wives, fine women. I know how them boys love their wives. So I said, I said, now here's a way to test it. <clears throat> if you're a wife before you were married, now you go back and say, this married life. Now this is going to be a hard one. This is hard. This is tough. I don't know if I could give June to somebody else. A pre-marriage. Why are you quiet for? I'm not going to ask her if she would. I'm just saying I would. You've been dreaming you were married. You really wasn't married, but you dreamed you were. And you woke up and you went and you talked over with your girlfriend and said, You know, I dreamed that we were married and we had children. We lived happy and waiting for the coming of the Lord and everything. And then this girl would say to you, You know, I love another man better than I love you. I could be happier with the other man. Could you from your heart, Love her well enough to say, God's blessings rest on you, my dear. Go with this other man. I want you to think about that one. Now, check that. Each of you men or you women, see? Well, if your love is correct, you would do that. For you are interested in her welfare. Why? Because we want to be selfish and say, no, I'm in love with you. I want you for myself. What you know you could have her, you can live with her. She's your wife. You w she will be. She'll marry you, but she won't be happy. She would be happier. And then if you love her, then you want her to be happy. Therefore, whatever the will of God is, let God's will be done, whether I'm happy with it or not. I want to live so he will be pleased with what I do. Amen. Therefore, check your objective and your motive by that. You know whether you love God or not what if he'd say you serve me if i'm going to cast you away he said i love you anyway now let's look at this word right here selfish to be selfish is to be concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself selfishness is one of the biggest obstacles to having the kind of close relationship with god and inspiring relationship with other people that many of us desire They sell selfie sticks. Go figure. So they can take a picture of you? No. So they can take a picture of their self and send it to somebody that took a picture of their self. And you can, they compare selves. I, I just don't get these, these um, um, uh, YouTube influencers or these, uh, what do you call them, um, uh, social media influencers. 
I'm eating cheeseburger. I'm going to the bathroom. I, I got a friend. Look at my dress. Look at my shoes. And they get paid for that. Selfish. Selfish. We've got to get rid of selfishness. And you know what selfishness is? You owe me. You owe me. God don't owe you nothing. You owe everything to Him. God don't owe you nothing. You owe everything in the world. Look, He was so unselfish, He died for people that didn't even want to. He died for people He knew didn't want Him. And He died anyway. That's love. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live. Now remember, I preached a bunch of sermons on this because that proves to you one thing. Paul had another life. Because he said, the life that I now live. In the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 teaches us that living by faith in the Son of God means you no longer live. But Jesus lives in you. What is our biggest problem? Us. Who gets in the way? Jesus? No, us. We get in the way. So if you want to have a close relationship with God and other people, you'll need to learn to leave yourself behind. I like that. Second Timothy proves it. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Brother Brown in 1950 said, I tell you, that's what's a whole lot of matter with the people today. They're not friendly like they used to be. The people have got too selfish, got to a place where they think they... Now, this is 1950. Listen, 1969 and 70, when I... Well, 74, when I started driving, 75... I didn't drive in the 60s. Donnie did. You waved at everybody. There wasn't no such thing as road rage when I was growing up. Was it road rage when you... So? I mean, as bad as you drive, they still not road rage. <clears throat> I mean, you might have made somebody mad, but you didn't shoot them for it. Run them off the road. You might have got the middle finger of fate award, but that was about it. Now they'll shoot you. Why? The love of men is wax cold. There's no love for people. There's no love for... Listen, there's no love for life. There's no love for life. Life is just whatever. Doesn't matter. Shoot, bang, bang, you know, whatever. So the people got too selfish, got to a place where they think they live in a little world. Oh, praise the Lord. They live in a little world by themselves. You know that's the truth. You know, it used to be out on a farm when one of the neighbors got sick. We'd go out and help him, right? That don't happen no more. If your neighbor died, it takes you two or three years to read it somewhere on social media or in the paper. <laughs> Paper's about gone now. You cut the wood and bring it in. And I remember Dad and him telling how if somebody gets sick and the sharecroppers, well, they're going to lose the crop. Everybody just pitched in and went out there and sowed the crop and got everything ready for them. You can't do that now. You don't even know your neighbor's dead unless you read it in the paper. Now, that's Brother Brown in 1950. 
selfish. People pass down the street. Used to, we'd grab a hold of one another's hand and shake their hand like that and say, How are you, brother? Today, when they pass on the street, they give a little silly grin. Now, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to find that quote because he actually did that. He's telling on himself. Because you're going to see where Mita says, Bill, did you not see that was sister so-and-so? He said, yeah. She said, well, you just grinned and nodded your head. A little silly grin throwing their head up in the air. Oh, my. No wonder love's gone. His wife rebuked him. I'll find a quote and I'll read it to you. <clears throat> I despise that old somebody feel that they're bigger than somebody else. After all, you're six foot of earth. That's all you are. That's right. Brother Ramon, 1954, we'll close right here. The world coming, word becoming flesh. This is when he took the India trip and came back. I recognized the other day a selfish spirit coming on me of saying this man's wrong. I ought to tell him about it. That's wrong. God's the one to tell him about it. It's none of my business, but my business is to preach the gospel and love everybody and move on and love my enemies as Jesus loved me when I was his enemy. Oh, when I was his enemy. Remember, he didn't unlove you. He was just waiting on you to love him. He loved me to his bosom. When I was unlovely, he loved me to his bosom. And anybody that's unlovely, let me love them the same. Let the spirit that was in Christ be in us. Amen. 1954, what you think of Christ? Let's stand to our feet. Musicians, come. Some people are so narrow-minded. I like this quote. You got to think about it because they don't hardly make pencils anymore. Everybody know what a pencil is? Okay, well, some of the young ones are going. Um, there was a, a, they asked me to come and, and notarize some paperwork the other day at a, at a house, Brother John. And I walked in the house to notarize it, and, and they were all right. They were older, you know, my age and older. And they were writing it all. They had to write like a little summation of whatever it was, and I had to stamp it, you know, sign it. So I didn't, I didn't read it. I just looked over it. It was all in cursive writing. Well, that ain't the problem. The problem is one of the ladies said, I handed this to my grandson to read, and he said, Grandma, I can't read cursive writing. They don't even teach it anymore. It's all block letters. Computers do not write in cursive. Only humans write in cursive. If you know one, I don't know one. It's all block letters. He said, Grandma, I can't read this. It's in cursive. Could not read a cursive writing. Well, anyway. Some people are so narrow-minded, you could put a lead pencil between their eyes and they'd blind them. <laughs> Think about that. For those of you who don't know that, that means if you put a pencil right here, it'd put both eyes out because you're so narrow-minded. That's why, Brother Brent, listen, it's a quote. They just don't look to both sides. They got some little theory, what, selfishness, and run away with it. You have to stop and look the thing over. Romans 12, verse 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Luke 6, verse 26 says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Praise the Lord. Brother Dale told me long years ago when I was growing up, he said, he said Son, if everybody likes you, you're a hypocrite. Think about that. Because that means you swayed over to this group, you swayed over to this group, you swayed to make this one. And we try to make everybody happy, but you can't please everybody. Trust me, I'm a mayor of a city of 300 people. 
and they're 90% of them first cousins or uncles and aunts. So, woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And that word despitefully means falsely accuse you. Hmm, can we do that? And unto him that smiteth one cheek, offer him the other. Him that taketh away the cloak, give him your coat. Give every man that asketh, of, and of him that taketh away goods, ask him not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. In other words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? In other words, where is overcoming love somebody, loving somebody that just loves you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if I lend to them whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. That's where you get down to where filial love is conditional. If I buy you a car, you got to buy me a car. You know, or, or if I give you $500, you owe me something. That's not a gift. Hoping for nothing again. And your reward, look, and your reward shall be great. So it's not going to give you, you have no reward. Your reward is great by what? Giving unconditionally. And you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Wow. I've heard some of you. I don't like this person. I don't like this preacher. So what? You're a liar. I'm just reading you the Bible. If a man says, I love God and hateth this brother or his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. 1 John 3 verse 13 says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Praise God. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our, down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children... Let us not love in the word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. First Peter 3, verse 8 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessings, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. 
For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. <clears throat> now, this is one that I read. See, he wanted it himself. Let's go to Mark 11, then we'll, I'm going to try to get these finished. Therefore, I say unto you, what things whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, wait a minute. That sounds good. But the Lord Jesus said, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. It will do you no good to harbor a grudge or harbor ill feelings because you've just shut yourself off from God forgiving you for what you did. Can I read that again? And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Hmm. I, wow. We, can we stop on that one? But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven well, I, I've got a right. You don't have a right at all. You do not have a right to rail. I'm reading the scripture. You don't have a right to do that. But that's why when we get ready to take communion, what do we do? We stop. Right? We stop and have a moment of silent prayer. And that's what I do, Brother John. I do the checklist thing. Have I done this? Have I done that? Have I done this? Have I done that? Unwillingly, I might have done something that I don't know about. Please, Lord, bring it to my attention. Or if I have willingly done something, like Brother Brown said, if you know you've done something, he said, go ahead and take communion, but you better go make that right because God will make sure you do make that right one way or the other. Right? That's why we have a moment of silence. That when we can stand praying or when we can stand and take communion, that what? Our heart doesn't condemn us, as the Bible says. It won't condemn you like I told you all before. And I, I told you from right here, I said something bad. That's why I don't say bad things about preachers. I don't care if he comes up here and preaches the false doctrine. You just correct it and go on. But but I had an odd against a brother, and it bothered me. And it was hindering my walk. But you know what? I still let it go on for several months because you know what? I'm human. But finally, the Lord pretty much said, you're not going anywhere until you get this worked out. So you know what was the most freeing thing in the world was making that phone call? I said, brother, I said something about you that I shouldn't have said, and I'm sorry. And you know what he said? He said, brother, wait. He said, you're forgiven. He said, you're forgiven when you asked first, the first moment. And he said, when you come up, he said, come preach for me. And boy, I felt good after that. Goodness gracious, like I had took a shower and I had mud all over me, Brother John. I, I, was just, I just felt so good. Well, guess what? I stood and confessed. I stood and asked forgiveness. That's why I always tell you, when I pray, when somebody else is praying for people up here, I don't pray for that person. It's between that person and, and their connection is right here. The anointing's on this man, all right? The anointing's right here. 
What I'm saying is, Lord, don't let me and my unbelief, something I did today, something I said cross, something I said wrong to a brother or a sister, don't let that hinder, because Brother Brown said one unconfessed sin in a congregation will cause the whole congregation to fail, not just that person getting their healing. I don't want to stand and be standing in not the major judgment, but the minor judgment, and have to give an account why that person didn't get their healing, because I was standing back there doing something different, or I had an odd against somebody, or somebody... Uh, I said something bad about a person. Everybody with me? We need to clear that slate. Remember, bring the good ground in, and when the seed comes, you'll yield 30, 60, or 100 fold. But if not, you're just going to hear the word. And as soon as you walk out the door, you ain't going to remember none of it. Because there's nothing inside of you to remember with. Forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven... May forgive you your trespasses. Let's sing a song. If you have a need. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider To give you whatever you need. The rolling thunder. Thy power throughout this whole universe displays. Sing it to him. Then sings my Sing it from the song. How great thou art. Thank you, Lord. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Oh uh-huh. 
should be with us the things we've said lord would be pleasing to you and lord that they would hit home to all of our hearts so that we can get these little bumps in the road out of the way lord that we can continue on with you father because truly we are our own worst enemy Uh, we get out of our own way and lord i pray that you'd help us to get out of the way so that you'll take over father so that you will bless us now as a bride the bride of jesus christ in the end time Not some second person, but you made manifest in another form called the bride. Father, thank you for giving us the word of God. Thank you for letting us have knowledge of the word of God and temperance and patience and all these different things. And Lord, working on our godliness and working on our brotherly kindness, where Lord, that we, you hung on a cross and and you could have said, condemn them, Father. But you said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. 
Lord, be with us. Go with us and take care of us, Lord. Be with Brother Luis as he comes on Wednesday night. Be with us, Lord, next week for service. Father, just bless us. Keep us. Be with the ones that are on the highways traveling back, the ones that are sick. We pray that you bring them all together, Lord. Bring them home, Lord, as safely as you possibly can, Lord. We pray that you just be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. How great thou art.